0: So I think I think we are live. We are live on the 91 Facebook page. Oh, hold on. I'm getting, getting some read. OK. And so uh, welcome, everybody, to a special edition of the old grade pod, the old grad podcast. This is more of a uh, special investigation journalism version of the old grad podcast. As we deep as we dive even deeper into the story of the 1990 heist of the Navy Goat. And so I'm joined, we have, a, we have an all-star cast here. So I'm joined by my co-host, Holly West, who's been my co-host on several different episodes. We got Ted Ross, who's got his second episode here on the Old Grad Podcast. We got Andy Eiliff with his dad, Mr. Iliff, uh, also from 91, also from company E4. Um, we have Major General Jim Eisenhower, who was part of E4 as well. And we have our classmate, Ron Massey, uh, John, Ron, what, what company were you, you were, you were in C3 and you were in B4, right? Those are your two, your yep. two companies. Yep. Go buffs.
1: Yep. Absolutely.
0: Go buffs. And, uh, what's, what's the C3 was well, is go, uh, go Cox, right? So both. Yeah,
1: they're the coyotes now, I think there's a push to go back to the fighting Cox. And I think there's a broad support for that, but uh, we'll see.
0: <laughs> well, there's a groundswell of, of, uh, of, of, uh, of alumni support for that, but that probably won't carry much weight over the academy. So. Welcome everybody to this special edition. Uh, and I am uh, really fascinated to be able to dive even deeper into the story of Stealing the Goat from, uh, from 1990. And so um, we, we have these five guests. I'm gonna ask them to introduce themselves and just give a quick background of uh, who they are and where, where they are. And then we're gonna get into the story of, of Stealing the Goat in 1990. So Holly, why don't you go first, you can introduce yourself and then, and then um, we'll go, uh, I'll tell you who to go to next.
2: Hey, everybody. Holly West. I wanted to steal the goat. Always thought I was going to steal the goat. Didn't steal the goat. So I'm just on here as a as a guest podcast um, host, I guess. And uh, and
0: where you live in, family, all that kind of stuff.
2: I got it. Living at um, Fort Montgomery, right outside the gate or three miles from the gate. I've got my three kids, my three oldest kids, two have already graduated from West Point. One's there right now. He's a beanhead along with Jamie Schleck's daughter. And then my youngest daughter uh, has is the black sheep of the family, as we say, broke the mold and she's going to Wayne Mary to play soccer. Cool. Yeah.
0: Ted, how about you next? Ted Russ.
3: So hey, Ted Russ. Um, I was E4 class of ninety-one, involved in the the goat heist that year. And uh, living in North Carolina these days. Uh, what else did you want, Jamie?
0: What are you doing for work and uh, family?
3: So I, I do M&A for a company called HD Supply, and I'm married to my beautiful wife, Anna. And we have two dogs, six chickens, and three beehives. And wow. uh, no human kids, but that's what we're
0: <laughs> So next we'll go to, uh, to, to Newton, New Jersey area to uh, Andy Iliff and, and Mr. Iliff.
4: Um. Well, Andy Iliff, also an E four guy, ninety one. Um, spent about eight years in the military, got out, and then came back, moved back home, and I've been teaching ever since. A high school math teacher and a high school wrestling coach. So that's that's me. And this is this is my old man. He can introduce himself.
5: Well, my name's John. Um. Uh. <coughs> A little bit older than Andy, but uh, as spry as he, uh, I had a lot of fun uh, with the GOAT and I'll add to that later on in the program, I guess. Uh, uh,
0: Next we'll go to uh, General Jim Eisenhower.
6: Hey, Jim Eisenhower, I was in E4 before, I'm in the class of 92. Uh, and they scrambled all of us, so broke everybody. everybody's hard in e to leave that company. Um, out at Fort Bliss in the 1st Armored Division, uh, my wife and I live out here near El Paso. Three kids. One's a consultant in New York City. One's a 22 West Point grad. He's a lieutenant Navy 82nd with an infantry platoon right now. And then the, the the youngest, very proud of him. I root for him 364 days out of the year, but the youngest is charting his own course. And he's a sophomore or what they call a youngster at, at the uh, whatever that that place is in Annapolis.
0: <laughs> wow. I didn't realize you got a mixed mixed family, huh? That's now there's a black sheep right there.
6: Yeah, it'll make for like I don't I, I will not say I'll say go Navy sometimes, but there, there are two words that will not come out of my mouth. So it's always interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I, well, you're you're not the first one. Obviously, we I, I think all your classmate, um, who's the guy that was a com also has a kid that was uh was Curtis
6: a, Buzzard had two daughters graduated from Annapolis, or like that's one's right. gone and one's a so, senior now, maybe. Jim did did it? Did he apply to West
3: Point and Navy, or just okay? Did he get into West Point <laughs> and he picked Navy? Wow. <laughs> okay. I'm proud of him. I want him to do what he
0: wants to do. He wants a lot to of go family Navy.
3: counseling there. Yeah, <laughs>
0: that's, right. that's right. That's right. We had Greg McGovern on too. He was talking about it too. His his son decided to go to Navy, and he, he just, wow. just rouses him ruthlessly. He says you had the choice. You could have been on the first team, but you decided not to. So, wow. Yeah. And last but not least, Ron Massey. Why don't you uh, give us the uh, background of where you are and what's going on?
1: Hey, hold on inside. Jim. Uh, congratulations on your command uh, and your son, uh, your sons. But uh, but uh, I'll say, uh, um, I I I retired from military medically like a long time ago, and I've, I've spent the last uh, 14 years working for the VA, doing leadership development across uh, the Veterans Health Administration, and, uh, and and I've also been for the last 15 years on my Congressman's Service Academy nominating board, and I get to interview kids like your yours uh, every year and, uh, tell you we're in great hands. It's, it's been an amazing experience to, to talk to America's youth and like for, for the Lord, the uh, love of Pete, like I, there's no way I would get in today. So yeah, just an amazing group of kids that, that, that are, that are continuing our legacy. Appreciate that.
0: Well, uh, we lost we lost Ted, but he'll, I assume he's going to jump back in. But the next part is saying I wanted to go over to the E4 crew. Uh, we're, we're just one kind of administrative note: we've got a couple different storylines that we're going to try to connect tonight on, on tonight's podcast. The first storyline is the story of E4, the excruciating detail of planning that went into the multiple years, the the ethos of of the high spirit of E4, and how it is that they finally arrived at stealing the goat. In 1990, which was actually it had been stolen a few years earlier, we think maybe by uh, General uh, Andrew Pappas may have had a role in that as well. But that there, there's this whole story of the risk-taking kind of rogue, edgy culture of E4 and how it was that they stole that they stole the goat, they stole the goat. But separately, we're gonna also talk to Ron Massey, who was simultaneously having and also a plan to steal the goat, and these two missions collided on the night of. That Saturday, or that Saturday night prior to the Army-Navy game. So we want to hear all about that. So before we get there, Ted, Jim, Andy, tell me about what it was like to be an E4. What was the plan? What Where, where were you guys in 1990 thinking about stealing that goat? So, Ted, maybe you can lead us off, and then we can kick to uh, Andy and Jim as well.
3: Okay. Um, so E4, I, I think... Most people at this point realize a little bit of, um, um, you know, not the best cadets to ever have gone to West Point, a little bit of a rebellious group. And the class of 89 actually, uh, a bunch of E4 guys in 89 stole the Navy goat. And, uh, th- you know, like most upperclassmen, I think these these guys were kind of larger than life in our eyes and made a huge impression on on me and, and I think several of the other folks and put stars in our eyes about wouldn't that be great to to try to do that as well um, and then it kind of as I recalled Jim kind of bubbled along I think we were talking about it with Brian Clark when we were pals and you were a yearling and a little known fact uh, this this falls in the category Jamie I think of Uh, things that would have been disastrous, and it's a really good thing. We didn't actually try it. Brian Clark came back from Air Assault School. Ike, I don't know if you remember this, all fired up to, we were going to steal the Tecumseh statue from the Naval Academy campus. Uh, We were going to talk these uh, Air Air, Air Army Guard Huey pilots the sling load mitt. I mean, just a ridiculous, disastrous concept. Um, and, and so, and then we settled on, hey, let's try to steal the Navy goat, um, which that's how I remember it. Ike and Andy, I don't know if you
4: guys remember it the same. Well, it, yeah, I do remember the, the plan that Brian hatched. <laughs> And, uh, I do remember that conversation. Um, but after that, I think you and Brian and, and Jim, you were kind of coming up with your plan and doing the reconnaissance and doing all the, the legwork because me and Bragg came into it later. Um, cause we always had the idea, I think in the back of our mind, but we hadn't been doing any planning right. and, uh, we kind of i just remember bragg saying hey if let's go let's go steal the navy goat and i was like what i said that's that's not that far away and he's like yeah we'll figure it out (laughs) and and somehow along the way and i i really don't recall somehow in the midst of that uh, we we kind of like collided together you know so we and then we were like hey wait a minute all the, all the guys in E4 were all planning the same thing. And we haven't, we didn't right. like <laughs> talk to each other. What, what's going on here?
3: <laughs> and I it yeah, might I, have been I, you that,
6: yeah, go ahead. I. That, that's not, that's not how I remember it. Uh, it's It started in 1989, uh, right yeah. after we came back from the summer, you, what would have been your summer prior to first of year, you're getting ready for ring weekend. And I was just a yearling, um, in E4 and Brian Clark and Ted Russ were my team leaders. And they brought me into a room and said, Hey, you know, E4 stole the goat in 88 or 87, probably, I guess, for those guys, but we want to do something bigger. And this is no joke. This the statue of Tecumseh. We knew how much it weighed. It was made of a bronze cast. It had parts of the original Tecumseh bust, the wooden bust on the, uh, I guess it's called the foxhole, whatever the hell that is. But, um inside the bro we did all the research we knew it sat on a marble pedestal with like eight rebar posts going up all we had to do was pick the damn thing up and and we were trying to figure out how to do that and then we eventually were like you know what that's we're, we're gonna that's much harder brian clark was the one who said we're gonna have to blow some trees that were probably 500 years old to get a, to get right. UH 60. Right. And, and he's yeah. like, no, I got somebody that went to sapper school. We'll just get some debt cord. And we're like, let's stop. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we had planned. So then we're like, no, let's get the goat. But we had spent a lot of time trying to go through, you know, we're, we're cadets. We're trying to figure out this army thing. And what are branches and sequels? And, and we had a PAO plan. Um, and we were trying to think through the, you know, once we get it, where do you hide it? And we've been really deliberate about it. And no kidding. Um, johnny braga at one point with andy i think you guys were roommates had right. said hey let's just go get it and that's where either ted or brian was like hey hold on a minute we hey we've been doing a lot of work let's let's work together and and then yeah. the rest is history that was a classic yeah
0: you know i had the opportunity to interview separately johnny braga for this podcast to put together the rest of this story so i'm going to drop that as its own separate podcast it was it was, Andy, it was Andy Iliff along with John Braga kind of following our normal old podcast format. So you'll see that this is going to drop at the same time as this episode. But I did take some clips of talking to John Braga about this specific case. And what I was asking about was just the, uh, the interesting culture of E4, the risk takers, the rogue. The, the fact is that there are three currently serving army generals who are connected to this goat heist. What are the chances of that? I mean, honestly, think about it. There's eight or nine cadets that are involved in it. Full, a full third of them, more than a third, become currently serving general officers. So let's listen to uh, John Braga talk about the ethos of risk taking and how that has manifested in his in his career. Vogue you know, you mentioned like you never rose above the rank of cadet sergeant uh, as a cadet. Do you think that maybe there's a correlation between risk-taking and success as it relates to your career, and maybe the careers of uh, General Eisenhower and and and, uh, and uh, General Jones?
7: Uh, I think it's a fantastic question. I'm a firm believer in uh, you must take risks. Uh, you must be bold. There's lots of different special operations mottos and around the world, uh, you know, that talks about boldness and who dares wins and, uh, you know, I think special operations, I think it's required to be somewhat of a risk taker, a national security business. I, I don't, uh, that's not unique to special operations, but it, it certainly, it, it. I think it was, uh, felt like part of my DNA felt like home when I, when I, uh, when I went at <laughs> i don't know uh i certainly would have predicted that we would have been general officers back out there by general Bram- bramlett uh, it was it was random and I almost felt like going back to a cadet and went back into defense back in the, <laughs> mode there but it's good to hear his voice
0: sorry that was a little bit choppy he was actually on a call when i was doing the call with him so I'll clean that up when I, when I drop the actual, the final footage, but he talked about this idea that risk-taking can pay off, calculated risk-taking. And uh, Jim, just curious if you, when you think about risks that maybe you've taken in your career or, you know, basically how you calculate risk and what the risk return is, does it ever take you back to some of the risks you took as a cadet stealing the goat?
6: Yeah. Well, it's frankly, that's one of the things I learned in E4. I mean, you were talking about the to answer that, let me be quick about the culture in E4. You know, I was a yuck and yucks were the, the sub divers, right? And we had to go around and check status. And there were these two cows named Braga and Iliff that were living in a room. And this is this is give you an example of E4, because I love it to this day. I told Johnny Braga's kids this story. But I go in to check, and you know, you just open the door and all you say is all right, and you get the response back, all right, and you you walk away. It's quick. I opened the door and this was in the forties. I think they were like in the 46th division and, and on the backside, right? Just rich for like doing whatever the hell you want to do. And I open the door and say, all right. And Johnny and Andy turn around in their chairs. There is a massive inflatable Oscar Meyer wiener that's six feet tall in one corner. And I'm not, there's no no exaggeration here. There are two gerbils running around the floor and scatter. And and Johnny looks at me and is like, I didn't ask to be called this. They called me Ike. And he's like, Ike, what's up? And I'm, my mouth is agape, right? I'm like, Oh my God. And now you're supposed to like, well, you're supposed to be in PMI and the OC could come around. And and I'm just like, this is awesome. And I just said, everything's good. How are you guys doing? And they're like, we're studying. I just closed the door and walked on. Um, But, but to your point about risk, Uh, I think it's part and parcel of our profession. And you've got to be able to envision the possible. And then you mitigate that risk down just through logical steps. That's one of the things that, you know, Ted, Brian, and I started really early is, okay, we know we're going to get in trouble. How do we mitigate that? We know they're going to come looking for it. And it was kind of a neat exercise, you know, then as a 19, 20, 21-year-old, you know, young punk um, to work through that. But it's played off in my career, right? You take risk uh, in in every day, especially at this level. That's what my job is. I mean, Johnny, at, at his level, that's what we do is we manage risk. And for those uncomfortable with it, we take it and decide whether or not we're going to under, underwrite it or, or continue to manage it. But one thing that taking the goat did teach me was that you know, Johnny said it. Uh, he who dares wins. You can't win without trying. Uh, and so that's uh, I think that's probably one of the most valuable lessons I took.
1: Hey, can 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 I give a slight apology? Like I think all on this call would agree that there was a significant difference between uh between Fred Gordon and uh and and uh, Bramlett as Commandant, right? Like night and day, like in terms of discipline, like all of that. So um When I was a cadet, like I, I like they, 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 they said, like I had like the pre markers for glaucoma. And so I had to go in and get my eyes dilated at the cadet, like the the health clinic. And so I missed class. I was late and I'm like, the, the uniform was short overcoat. I'm in like, I'm in like the, the, the parka with a beanie cap like on my head. I'm wearing Ray Bans after having my eyes dilated, walking to class. And all of the, the, there was like probably 20 general officers that were there in the cadet library meeting to, to select. Like the next commandant from gordon to, to to bramlett and they're all walking out as i'm going late to class and like oh my god like i'm i'm, I'm i saluted like like 20 and like and every one of those guys looked at me like oh my god what's going on and not a single one stopped me but like i'm convinced that some part of their decision to pick a tougher commandant was based on like seeing this guy in ray-bans walking by them going I- to class
3: late <laughs> like I, I don't know that's great yeah
0: so Ron, that's a good segue because you're simultaneously planning another mission in another company, right? So you have you have another plan to 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 do this, right? And Holly, I know that Holly had talked to you about this before.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, and and uh, talking with so the 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 three other people that were involved in this were all tied to C three. Rob Sally was 92, and he he would gotten scrambled with me when when I got rolled over, and uh, Brad Wannick and uh, Glenn McRill. All of us were in significant trouble of one level or another, like grades, PT tests, uh, boards, or whatever. But uh, and so, we were like part of this discussion we're really looking forward to is hearing how you actually pulled it off, because we want to kind of compare what our plan was. But uh, but but to that point, um, uh, Brad and I did a recon probably late September. We actually walked the grounds uh, in Gambrills. And uh, on on the dairy on the on the dairy farm, and uh, um, yeah, we looked at we, we saw the goats we we took pictures we we all that nine yards, but like and so I'm sure you all did a recon, and this is the question I have, like if you don't if you remember there was like a, a an OD green like uh, road grader off on the 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 side, and on the bumper of that grader, someone had written in chalk like eleven ACR rules. Does that ring a bell to anybody? <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
1: Okay, I so do, I do not remember that one. Oh. yeah, because when we saw it was written in chalk on the bumper, like we knew someone else was sniffing around, and like mm-hmm. we were, we, like you were one group, we were one, we were, we were another group, and there's a third group that was involved. Um, that we can talk about after so who knows who wrote that on there, but it was it was not permanent and so uh, that had happened in relative like you know relatively recently uh, to to our visit to to gambrills. Ah. so would you mind telling telling us about how how you all did a recon what, what 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 was your what was your approach on that did you did you walk the ground?
5: I, yeah. I, I, yeah.
6: I can remember Ted so we start the first Ted was wrestling. And so he just didn't have the freedom to kind
5: mm-hmm.
6: of go out as much as Brian Clark and I did. And so Brian and I started, I don't know how many times we went down there, but I think it was like three or four. And we started your cow year, my, my yearling year, oh. where we'd go down and we'd go to a football game because they had three goats. There was always like one senior, one middle, and then one they were kind of training <clears throat> to be a goat. And we would follow them after the games because we wanted to see we knew they stayed at the at the uh, academy dairy farm in gambrels which is only uh, 5 10 miles from the naval academy we knew they stayed there but the what we were worried about was what happens after their last home game of the season because we had heard rumors that they split the goats up for security and and we we only had one chance to do that and that was the fall of 1989 and Brian and I in separate cars followed two goats one went across the river the Severn to the naval reserve station over there and we were like we're not going there because it was they had an mp check and we had ids we could have gotten in but then they they probably would have put two and two together um, the the other went they took back to the gambles farm we never realized where they would put the third one and so that was kind of informed uh, our desire then to, hey, we're going to focus on gambles. We'll just go to gambles. We reconed it made maps and all that kind of crap. And then we were down there a couple times at night beforehand before we finally decided to go down and get it over.
0: That's just so impressive. I mean, this is a full year before you actually heisted the goat. Oh, yeah. You're actually looking at it in 1989. And, and Johnny Braga talked about how appreciative he was of the thorough planning that had gone into this all the way down to the decision to bring extra spare locks with you because if you had to use bolt cutters to take a lock off you want to put a replacement lock so there'd be no like um like no like financial damage there'd be no larceny or like so you actually you replaced any any damage that you created you actually you had the replacement thing to to leave it right there for whoever the farmer was and and everything else like that right yep yeah the only
6: thing we broke was that lock. We knew we'd have to cut a lock. And so we bought a master's whatever lock that looked just like it. We had done a recon and we knew it we want to replace it with. And then we we left a note that said, hey, we're borrowing your goat. We're going to return it. Right. Cause back then that was a standard. You had to you had to leave a note. So
0: uh Braga also talked in the podcast that I had with him about how you guys stole your tax horse and brought it into the barracks right so so i mean was that like a was that a preparation mission to bring the horse into the barracks and he said that the horse's name was daisy so they thought it was like kind of small but it turned out being like a like a clydesdale so who was involved in that mission
4: oh you you know it's the same crew it's the same crew that was involved because we yeah i was involved in that one i we had a pretty good group in that one too because i believe we picked up the horse in a in a u-haul well and and we actually we actually um, drove it through Thayer Gate, and, and I believe we got stopped, and it was late, and whoever stopped us, I think it was a, I think there was a you know the MP stopped us, and he was a young guy, and he said, "What do you got in the back there?" And we had a whole crew in the back of the U-Haul with the horse, and when he opened up the uh, the back of the U-Haul, we just kind of waved, and um, he looked at us and we told him we basically had to kind of give him a hint on what we were doing. And, and he just was like, you know, all right, I, I never saw you. See you later. Have fun. He just put the back door, of the U-Haul down and off we went.
0: <laughs> so then how did you get, how did you get the horse? in Did you bring the horse into his office? Is that what you were doing?
4: Correct. Oh, we, oh, we brought the horse in the office. Um. We, uh, I, I believe, we had to use a service elevator because originally we were going to try to bring it up the stairs, but that didn't work out too well, um, and so we were going to use the um, service elevator. And let's see, I don't know, Ted, were you on in on this one? I was not. I was not on that because no. I, I do believe somehow I got volunteered to climb up the wall because behind the building there were kind of like bricks that stuck out and they were handholds and so because once we got the horse up to the second level the door was locked so we had to go through the window so we climbed through the window opened up the door and then brought the horse in Hmm. and then we left the horse in his office uh i don't know by that time by the time we got the horse in his office it had been a It had been, uh, you know, pretty late. So it was in there for a few hours. So he was pretty surprised once he, uh, he found the, uh, found the horse. In fact, when the tack found the horse, I I think he cleared out all the barracks and had us in formation. And, uh, we just kind of kept the code of silence and he never actually asked any direct questions. So we never actually had to, to say anything that would, you know, put us in a compromising permit, uh, position to lie. So we didn't do that. So we just stayed silent. So
0: Jim, Jim, you were on staff later on in your career. You, you, I think you've taught in the history department, you've been stationed at West Point before. So you, you, you know, the other side of this as like faculty or as like the administration, what a story like that, wouldn't that just like go throughout the entire West Point community that there's a horse, that somebody put a horse in the in this tax office like it had would you have heard about this like what what would have been like behind the scenes what would have happened with this whole thing
6: oh well i was teaching right so we're the friendly folks like the other side of thayer road's a tactical department (laughs) so i would i would have had it easy the best thing you can do when you're teaching is to close the door and say so what's going on in the core right because then everybody holly knows this everybody is like oh thank god i can maybe burn 10 15 minutes shooting the breeze so that's what would have happened is it would have somebody would have said one of the tax had a horse they took it in the you know the office it would have been embellished you know the horse had to climb 17 flights of stairs and they fed it extra hay before they put it in but, but that kind of stuff becomes kind of legend you know it just it's good for morale because as you know at west point you got to have something to laugh about
0: and Holly, you have seen West Point from all these different angles as a as a P, as administration, working in the soups office. Like, what are some of the crazy, crazier stories that have happened over the years that that you know of?
2: Uh, so there was one year where they they actually picked the I think it was before we got there, maybe, but they picked the comms car up and put it on the steps of the mess hall. There was one year, and this was actually a cadet that we sponsored, he, they were doing construction in the barracks, and he went down and got hold, got in the, it wasn't a forklift, it was one of those big, big thing, big uh, hooks, I don't even know what you call it, the sky hooks, and he somehow lifted the clock tower, the little clock that's in central area, and put that on top of the barracks. The same guy, and this is like a similar spirit mission to stealing the goat. He always wanted to steal the goat. He had his private pilot's license, and he chartered a flight during Navy week and flew down over Annapolis, had his buddies. He was an E-2, and dropped Ten thousand leaflets over Annapolis that said "Beat Navy" while they were practicing the march on.
7: Wow, Holly,
3: I mean, I have a question, I, Jamie. I hope you don't. We can. You can Please, tell
0: uh, me. There's no. There's. We can do free for all here. Yeah. Okay. So, because I always,
3: uh, it was while I was totally fired up by it, I was somewhat confused when. The soup basically stole the goat. I'm trying to remember his great superintendent. You know what I'm talking about? Taslin. Taslin. Yeah, like they I,
0: made a spirit video. That was just made for TV because Mark Beer was in, the, was in that video, right? That was just completely made for TV. They
6: rented that goat.
0: Oh. oh,
3: I totally bought it. Okay, I feel better now. All right, so that wasn't a real deal. Nonetheless, no. that's a complex message, right? Like, don't steal the goat. Here's a right. kick ass stealing the goat. Like I'm what was that like? Cause you were in administration at that time, right?
2: Yeah. So it's it's really weird. Like the times when the goat has been stolen, when I when I was working at West Point, um, it was few like I can remember once they stole it and they didn't bring it back to West Point. They tied it up right outside of the Pentagon. And so it was like oh. right in the middle of traffic and the traffic median. And the goat was tied. So people are going into work and the goat was right there. Yeah. Um, and they never found out who did that. But the interesting oh. thing, and I don't know, I don't know if Annapolis, from what I know and from what, you know, I, I've heard, whenever Navy steals the mule, they publicize it. I mean, there's there's been times when the Navy superintendent has been riding the mule yeah, and is and has sent that back to West Point. And whenever West Point does it, they're kind of like, we're going to come get you guys. You can't do that. You can't do that. And so right. um, so that's why when General Caslin, that was when he was really big on on winning and trying to get the Army football team to win. And so I think that was why he was like, okay, let's fabricate like we stole the goat. When, But wow. it was just, so he was trying to be like that just to get everybody fired up.
3: Got it, got
1: it. Do you, do you mind if I, like, Andy, Jim, like, uh, Ted, like, I mean, what, so, like, we we were there about eight-ish, um, and we had a plan, like, that involved, like, we thought it was pretty thought through, and um, the thing that we, we didn't have was we we had meant to pick up carrots or something to to lure the goats out so so one question we had for you was 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 there a lock inside of the cage because there's a cage uh, on a platform and then there was the the, the 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 structure so so there was no no lock on the door but but we went into a grocery store like as close to gambrels we could to find to, to buy to buy carrots and uh, and i was walking around i think two of the four of us went in there and we ran into other cadets right this is where things went off the rails for us
2: <laughs> and ron and, you've got to tell people this was the actual night that the goat was stolen
1: yeah yeah exactly right no, so it's eight, so that
0: so that we're going to try to synchronize these timelines so it's 8 yeah. p.m. 8 p.m. Perfect. on that night and you yeah. and you're in it, you're going to buy carrots for the goat or something right and you run into yeah. these other cadets and just
1: a brief, I mean, so we, we went to the, like, that day, November 17 was the date, I think. And the and, uh, Navy played Delaware. And and uh, we went to watch a bit of the game. We tailgated. And then we drove to Gamberles sometime before the game ended. I think we were there for, like, three plays, whatever. So, so we knew we needed carrots. So sometime, like, it was dark. And we went into a grocery store really close to the goat farm uh the 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 dairy farm and we we uh we like i'm looking i'm 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 in the i'm in the the produce aisle i'm picking up carrots and like somebody looks at me and says how many lights are in cullum hall like oh my i don't know that i ever knew that like so i just said we need to talk. Meet outside, right? This is how. And so, so like we met this, like, and we had we had two cars. We had a a, a truck that had a covered tailgate. That was our. That was how we were going to transport the goats to a farm in Pennsylvania that we had lined up. Us uh, like that. That was going to like ostensibly keep them, and they didn't know anything about this, or whatever. And uh, the the group that we met. This was the second group, right? And so they they said. Uh, that they like, they tell us their story. Like we had talked to our attack NCO and we asked if we can get night vision goggles and all this stuff. And so the the attack said like, are you planning to steal the goats? And they didn't answer or whatever. So like all of us knew like, okay, if we steal the goats that night, they're going to get called in like Sunday night, whatever monday morning and they're gonna ask and they're gonna say no we didn't Uh, but we saw people that did so at that moment we knew like we couldn't do it because like i said we were all incredibly precarious so we gave them everything we had um like we had we had an actual like we we had a terrain model that we had built and all like we, we had bolt cutters we didn't have locks to replace them like you did like like i'll make a note for the next time i try to steal the goat so i will replace the lock um joking i think that's probably sailed but uh but uh but we 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 gave them everything we had and we left and like seriously in tears i mean this was like something we had dreamed about like holly mentioned like uh, this was something we wanted to do and uh when, when they gave us the equipment back like later a week later or whatever they said that they were in the wood line that we had like said we were going to pre position from and waiting to go in and steal the goats and they watched you all swoop in and steal the goats so they watched your operation yeah. no kidding
3: yeah. uh, so,
0: so by the way imagine if they were actually midshipmen posing as cadets and they stole the night vision goggles from you that would have been a story well, we <laughs> didn't have night,
1: we didn't have night vision goggles oh so they, we, had them. they had no, them they, 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 they didn't have them either they had asked for them which tripped the uh, thing that they were trying to because like everything that we had done because like i said we were all like on like the the, the razor's edge getting kicked out like we had such incredible operation the only people that knew we were going in were the four people that were there we had never talked to anybody outside of that because if we got caught probably me for sure but probably every other person on that team was going to get tossed and
0: and this is where i got to put a a little a little um uh i got a kudos here to e4 for the way that they planned this because they recognized that there were several of their company mates who would have been part of this but To use Johnny Braga's term, they were radioactive. (laughs) They were in such big trouble that there was no way they could be touched, right? So Easy Pete and uh, Andy Ulrich and Bomb Camp bomber, and so you said that they they had these compartmental compartmented operations. Nobody knew exactly what was going on. I want to switch real quick to Johnny Braga talking about the planning, and then we'll go back to this a little bit more in E4. So let me let me let me share my screen again and. And hear what he had to say about these these compartmented operations.
7: To us to not get a direct verbal order. So we couldn't get or either, we didn't break a direct written order because it wasn't written in the USCC at that time. It is afterwards. And then it, we couldn't get uh, in trouble for a direct verbal order because we never, we just hang up the phone because we'd kind of call on like, hey, this is the, you know, the goats, the goat team, the get team, uh, goat extraction team. And, you know, given our demands and updates, goats fine. It'll be all right. And they'd start talking. We'd hang up on him. Like, so we couldn't get a direct from <laughs> them. So we had, they had no, I, I'm, I still am proudful. Like they had no idea whoever they, that investigating officer, they had no idea who it was. They were, it got to the point, but the pressure was mounting both, I think, on Omar down there because, you know, they were.
0: So he, he talked about how there was the plan. There was a plan, there was contingencies upon contingencies on what to do, right? So, but the ultimate contingency was once the goat was stolen, we well, we, we should talk about this. Like, Ted, well, why don't you take this, take this story here? Because once the goat was stolen, you had it in the van and you talk about this, that this was without question, the highlight of your cadet career, right? Driving away with that goat. So why don't you tell so, us what that was like, period. where you guys went from there?
3: um well first of all so is it part of uscc regs now like is that actually wow (laughs) okay um but yeah driving away go to the
6: it probably was when you guys left but my senior year they issued the addendum and it said we specifically prohibit taking the goat that's great
3: okay um yeah so go to the van driving away. I mean, I, I remember looking across the van. I think I think Jim and Andy were on the other side of the van from me, goat in the middle. Um, huge relief. Um, and yet, Jamie, it, unquestionably the thing I'm most proud of, of my cadet career. Um, and we take it to, I think we took it to Omar's uncle-aunt-something farm. One of the exchange cadets, Jamie, um, and <laughs> took pictures and yada, yada, drove all night back to West Point. That's when Andy and, and Broggs got in that car accident, because I remember hmm. Ike was driving my Jeep. I was napping, and Ike's like, oh, shit, and I wake up. What? It's like, they just wrecked. Like, what are you talking about? He's like, no, I just saw because you were like watching him in the rear view mirror. I think we go and exit come around and the only thing Andy I remember from that is like it was John's red something sports car something Um, but it was off the road and there was a tree branch probably, you know, howitzer size tree branch through the rear window. It's like if you guys had if you had nosed in, you'd have been in just dead, no question.
4: Oh uh, uh, yeah, we 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 got we got pretty lucky there, I think, because oh, we we went under a eighteen wheeler. Yeah, and I remember
3: saying that, and, and then, got and got I drugged know.
4: for a while, <laughs> and then just kind of like got ricocheted out, did a lot of three sixties, went over a little embankment, down a hill, into some That's trees, right. and that branch went went right through the window so that just this, both of us.
0: This car accident story is a story that will be told in, in further detail when people listen to the John Braga okay. podcast by yeah. itself. So that, that was great. But walking it back to the night before, I think there was a moment when the goat was stolen, you guys took the pictures, we're all yeah. good to go, and there's a little bit of divergence about what do we do next? Because some were saying, ha, ah, ha, 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 we took the pictures, let's get the goat back, we're, we're done. And some people are like, no, the mission is not complete. We are taking this goat. So there was a little bit of confusion about what was going to happen next, right? I think that was
3: the first cracks. Because the team – so there were – I mean, Ron, there were four teams, right? Or five. So there's Ron's team. The team we briefed. Unnamed team team with with night vision goggles. The braga hip shoot team that was absorbed into <laughs> our team, and then the exchange cadets were basically going to do it as well. And I think, Ike, I think you talked them into a team, a partnership. But then, yeah, you're right, G. That night, the cracks started to appear between those two teams.
0: Because they're – those guys have a lot to lose, right? Because they're oh, they're down there, they're exchange cadets, they're they're studs, they're basically and they're in a the, the running for whatever high level position, and they're they're thinking was let's just steal the goat, take the pictures, pu- publish them, put it on CBS CBS Sports or whatever, put the goat back in, and we're all good to go, right? And that's when Braga and the E four guys were saying. all contrario, Fray, we're taking this thing with us, right? So now we have the goat in this. Semi-secure location in Maryland, but there's some concern about what could happen that week. And that's where the real hero of the story comes in. This is where we had the opcon, plain Jane, Mr. Civilian, Mr. Eilif, Andy Eiliff's dad, who's the hero of the story. Because wow. Andy, why don't you pick it up from there? Why don't you tell us what happened that week? As things were boiling over at the at the Naval Academy, there was concern about this. Operation getting compromised. What happened then?
4: Well, the um, we we thought it was going to get compromised, and we were worried because we we really wanted to show off the goat. We we felt we felt like everybody needed to see the goat. And I remember that um, we made a video. It was get you know goat extraction team on VHS <laughs> and. We, we sent some uh, some videos around, and we had some pictures that were sent around, um, and we tried to do it, you know, so then they didn't know that we did it, but we just wanted to show it off, and, and we got feedback that there were some people that still didn't believe we really had to go, and then, of course, you know, there were some, some of these cracks, and we were getting worried that, you know, we're not going to be able to to finalize this 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 mission by showing off the goats to everybody and in real because our original plan was we wanted to show off the goat during the game yeah you know and so we didn't think we were going to make it to that point uh so we went we went to the next plan and so what i did was i i called my dad and i said hey pops you want to go on a top secret military mission huh. <laughs> And, and he was like, "Yeah, sure, It sounds great." <laughs> and so we, ha- I gave him the address, and I said, "Well, you need to go down and pick up the goat. We stole Navy's goat." And th- he was pretty excited about it. Actually, he's 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 a former Air Force guy, so you know they didn't do that sort of thing in the Air Force. So you know he got to go on a real mission now. Um, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, he uh, I I asked him to do that. And then, I don't know, you, you explain what you did.
5: Well, it was, uh, my, uh, my mother was uh, in a wheelchair. We had to move her around if she wanted to go anywhere uh, in a van, an accessible van. So I, um, we lined the, uh, the van with um, a big plastic tarp and laid out a whole bunch of straw and then I drove down to Maryland and picked up the, uh, the goat at, at the farm where they uh, temporarily had stashed it and drove back to uh, my hometown, Newton, New Jersey, um, had the goat in our back, tiny little backyard. We had a, uh, a Victorian house on a 50 by 150 foot lot, So we had had the goat in the backyard. Uh, We called the local newspaper, and they came over and uh, photographed uh, (laughs) the goat in the backyard. And then uh, uh, I knew that the goat really needed some nourishment. So uh, Andy tells me I had fed the uh, the goat uh, a little bit of scotch, but I'm not sure about that story. But uh, I had a friend of mine who has a has a farm, dairy farm close by to Newton. And we took the goat there and he uh, this the Brodecker farm, Tom Brodecker, and he fed and took care of the goat until we brought it up. Uh, I drove it up to uh, uh, the point that uh, uh, evening, that one evening when we drove in I I remember it as being an alleyway back in behind the dining hall uh, and opening into the dining hall by a single uh, door. But Andy says they brought it in the front uh, steps. So that's a little bit misty, but I wanted to get out of there real quick. So (laughs) I didn't want to get arrested and I probably still would be in jail for stealing Navy property. (laughs)
6: <laughs> hey jamie you know there's this is let me give you some context before that happened because it's just a paradox that is west point so i don't know if you all remember but general bramlett's xo was some major and he was a special forces guy and so his cadets were like "Ooh, special forces they can do anything and he was put in charge of finding the goat nappers and andy was right like we fell out but we had to show this thing off because i don't know if you guys remember but when we took it the soup at the naval academy issued a press statement that said they took the wrong goat <clears throat> and then like on our back then the green screen cadet boards people were saying like who are these jackasses they stole the wrong goat we're like no no it ain't the wrong goat but so we felt like we got to show this thing off and um Omar Jones was down there with five other of my classmates. They were all the, you know, the Starmen studs down there doing the exchange thing. Omar was being interviewed to be the brigade sergeant major
7: second semester.
6: And so the the XO for Bramlett has this ingenious idea. He's like, you know what? I bet it's those exchange kids. He calls Omar Jones and flat out says, did you steal the gun? And Omar, you know, cadets, we got, sir, sure, can I have 24 hours to answer that question? And evidently, the XO hung up the phone. is was like, I got it. And so Omar calls me and says, I got 24 hours. I got 23 hours. What the hell? And we, you know, all the planning we had done, um, we didn't think of this branch. <laughs> and so it was, you know, I run over to E4. I'm talking to Ted and if and, and Johnny and Brian. I'm like, what do we do? And this is where Andy's like, I got a plan and his dad's the savior. I called Tracy Jones that night because Tracy was Omar's fiance, I think at the time. And she had this like little paddock and, um, and, you know, we didn't want to screw it up. They had a vet looking at it and just like Annie's dad took care of it. So we were trying to do this, right? I called Tracy and she's like, I don't want Omar to get in trouble. We don't want him to get kicked out. I'm like, Tracy, I need you to leave the paddock unlocked. Don't tell Omar anything else. Because he needs deniability and uh and no kidding andy's dad and brother run down there we steal the goat from ourselves that's west point isn't it
0: I well mean, we that's what the... that's what braga talked about the compartmented operations like we <laughs> yeah. we're gonna we're gonna basically save omar from having to Exactly He's gonna right. fess up, and then the goat's gonna be gone. So we got we stole it twice, basically,
6: right? Twenty four hours later, the EXO calls Omar and is like, "I got him now." And says, "Where's the goat?" And Omar's like, "Sir, sure, I stole it. I don't know where it is."
3: <laughs> and this, you know, I I have to say, Jamie, you've hit on something that that I, from my perspective, is so unique about. Uh, I mean, I don't only speak for the West Point experience, but. Ike, I'm sure it's the same for your kid that, that went wayward. But, you know, I used to get so, I get so frustrated when people, civilians that have no idea say, oh, cadets, you know, army, automatons, you know, it's easy, it's easy to to do the right thing when it's all rules and regimented and you have no, you know, no uh, freedom in the matter. Um, and I talk about that in my book, right? That actually... I think at West Point, you learn early on the concept of of doing what you think is right and taking your lumps and and doing what you think is right but not risking your friend's honor or your friends the way they approach. So I think, you know, remember we're like 20 years old making these calculations on who knows what and he'll get in trouble and, you know, yeah, Omar's a star man and he wants to, but he took some heat and he did, you know, he did the right thing by the Academy and by this group of, of mischievous people trying to steal a goat. So, I, you know, it's, it's always fascinating to me to think, to to acknowledge and think about that.
0: Yeah, thanks to Mr. Iliff. As I said, he is the yeah. hero of the story, you know, and I'll, I'll just a quick little side. Uh, I think that this this culture is still alive and well at the Academy. My daughter this past week was Branch Week at West Point. And they have a new tradition during Branch Week. I don't recall this being the case when we were there, but when the firsties are off at Branch Week, they track the the underclassmen trash their rooms, or the plebes trash their rooms of the firsties, that's and that's crazy. the thing. And so, so they they put out this big this big directive: there will be no trashing of firsty rooms during the right. Branch Week because right? so, that'll
3: fix it, right?
0: Uh, <laughs> but so my daughter said. They didn't say anything about the first D hallway. We could trash the first D hallway. So they had like fart spray and all kinds of in the first D hallway was completely trashed, but the rooms were untouched. So they were they stayed within the lines of the of the directive. Yep. That's, that's what yep. they did.
1: Hey, I mean, and and uh, Jim, you, you kind of led with like the risk management analysis and Ted, you just talked about that. And and, and Jamie, you 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 kind of highlighted that, but uh yeah uh, um you know, so so I, I mentioned like how precarious our team was and like all of us knew like like there was no so there's also a little bit i mean like who do, like what you did was amazing like seriously like props huge props but uh it, like for, for us on the other side it was a huge decision and like i mentioned we we cried uh, on giving up the dream on that uh, it was a big deal but but, but 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 there's a point where like risk exceeds like the potential reward and 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 not to so there's a fine line between there but again like nothing but props for for everything like so proud of 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 y'all stealing the goats absolutely
4: yeah thanks ron hey ron i i was just wondering like what i might miss this when when did you guys figure out that you weren't going to do it yeah, it was after that
1: encounter with that second group when they recognized us because we knew that they 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 had no operational security and all of them were going to get hauled in in front of like tax on on Sunday night, Saturday, Sunday, Monday morning, and like they they would have if if we would have done it, they knew. So we we needed we needed to be able to separate ourselves and say we didn't do that, like you know, gotcha. yeah, But you
4: you weren't aware of of our group. No, 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 know.
1: no. We yeah. thought they were going to steal. We, we thought, and we, we had a, we, we had what we thought was a pretty solid plan. Um, and, and, uh, and, and like I said, like the, the reports they gave us, they were waiting in the tree line to swoop in and, and do it. And they watched you. <laughs> I'll do that. That's all we know. And I, like, I don't know who those guys were. Hey, and I want to throw one more thing out to y'all. Um, like, wow. So, so this has been a huge thing. I mean, this is 32 years now, Plus thirty three years, like my, Brad, Glenn, and I get together like once a year at least, and we and we go we go to a cabin and we hang out and we sit in a campfire and we talk about this. And- We've talked about, like, as adults, let's go steal the goats. And it's like, this is a felony conviction. We'll go to jail and federal prison. So, but 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 what we finally arrived at last time was, like, we want to go back to Gambrels and make some sort of documentary, right, where we kind of walk the ground and go through, like, and tell the story. So, we would love if you all would want to participate in that. And we're talking about doing it in conjunction with the Army-Navy game next year um, in D.C. And and so... Yeah, if we go... It's a staff ride.
6: You're doing a staff ride. A staff ride. Speaking of yeah,
1: Yeah. I mean, I think... So part of the story, like, tonight was, like, was our plan viable? We still think it was. I still think we would have probably gotten caught and gotten kicked out. So... So good that we didn't have that happen. But if you all are interested in, in doing this, we would love to go make a video and lock, walk the ground and talk about how you did it, what we would have done. And if we find other groups, other people want to come. To, I think that would be really cool. Um, so
2: Absolutely. I just I think we need to use this podcast to do a some sort of call out to say who was that other group.
3: Yeah. Yes, that would be and great. They're,
2: they're watching it on yeah. NBC where yeah. they are classmates or you have no idea.
1: Oh, you there, at least one was a 91 guy and i'm pretty sure and i don't have a 91 uh howitzer but i think if i if i flipped through it and i thought about like because brad's got the 91 howitzer if he like showed me and like i could flip through i think i could probably find who i thought that was um with res- reasonable certainty but but yeah if if this identifies them and they want to be part of that like this would be i think this would be really cool to, to do a walkthrough film it and make a make a make a make a video to to talk that about would it. be the that mission. would be
0: fantastic i know also dave seary who's in the history department is quite interested in this and he's your former colleague jim he, he mentioned uh that that uh, that uh, you guys had worked together and also uh jen uh, Voicechild is uh she is the uh, historian at west point they're all interested in this story they're all going to be listening to this podcast so there, there is a desire well, to maybe we need all. to
6: start charging some money here, Tad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> right. Try to monetize
0: this thing. Yeah. It's
3: Ike, right. you mentioned staff right. I I want to share this. That uh, this is one of the memories that's absolutely seared in my brain. But you you know, the plan was to never take the van into the dairy farm because we were concerned about security and, and we would be trapped in the dairy farm. So we're gonna get the goat. Bring him out, but the goat was not where we thought he'd be. It was in this bunker-like structure, um, and so I, I remember the we had to go find it. We figure out where it is. We kind of regroup, and then uh, Ike, I don't know if you remember, and then it was like, all right, let's go fucking get it. And it, we basically all ran down the drive, right down the middle of the driveway. You know, sprint down the driveway, get it door off the hinges, van comes down the driveway. But Ike, as we were running, we're sprinting, right? And and Ike kind of looks over at me. (laughs) Hey, did a little straight up the middle, baby. (laughs) And I'll never forget that uh, little tactical
6: witticism from the future general. It was was great. I I do remember, you know, we drove in there every, so Brian Clark and I had watched this the goats go back to gambles. And so we knew they put them in the pen. And I felt embarrassed after the fact, because we never, we always saw the goats in the pen. And the pen was this probably, I don't know, we could go back and see today, but like 30 by 20, uh, six foot or eight foot chain link fence, barbed wire on the top, big pen. And it had a small building in the middle that was just cinder block with a steel door. Yeah. And we had always assumed we'll just need to cut the lock on the pen and take the goats. And when we got there the first time, there was not a goat to be seen. And Mm -hmm. we all kind of came back and, as you were saying, Ted, kind of consolidated, reorganized. And I remember feeling bad, like, damn it, why didn't we anticipate this? Maybe the goat's not there at all. And that's when we kind of said, screw this, we've worked too hard, go back. And thank God, you know, Ron, you were asking like about the locks and stuff. There was a padlock we knew on the, on the, the door to the fence. Mm-hmm. The cinder block building was closed, and we're like, "It's got to be in there, or the goats have to be in there." And it was a it was a dead bolt. It was a steel door, and um, by only by the grace of God were the hinges on the outside. Maybe that's how the doors are built anyhow. But the the door opened out. Yeah. If it opened in, and the hinges were on the inside, we never would have gotten the goat. But we had bolt cutters. And I remember Johnny or Scott Campbell, who was my classmate of an exchange cadet, yeah. was down there and they were with the bolt cutters shimmying the the um, hinges up, the, the hinge pins up and out. And it took us a while. We were kind of like concerned. Um, and we got all three of those bolts out. And then it was like, stop, wait, before you pop the door, be careful. And Ted, if, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but we were worried about some kind of alarm
7: alarm and
6: when we when we popped that door there were wires at the top of the door and we're like we got to go fast
1: yeah that was a question we had because we we looked at the door through that that chain link fence and we thought we had a we had a a, i don't know some sort of architect's like wedge or whatever that we thought maybe that was something we could wedge in between the 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 thing and like pop you know spring the 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 the, the, on the on the catch on the door but uh, yeah that's but this, like, so I don't know if you like. So we we looked at, uh, uh, we did Google Earth today and looked at looked at the terrain. I don't know, like, yeah, I'm just like we were bouncing before this call, like you know, several of us on 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 our team were looking at that, and like it looks like that that structure is still there, right? the 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 where where the goats were and the pad or whatever so so and, and it's now it's now a state park and Arundel state park in in uh in maryland right. I so think it was,
3: still... yeah it was decommissioned or something i don't even know yep. if the goats are yep. I yeah think so the be... naval
1: academy doesn't own it anymore but it's still it's public land so i mean if if like seriously and this is your story to tell we're a footnote to it but we, if you're interested we would love to be a part of that footnote and kind of walk do it do a terrain walk and record something and talk uh, about the mission well, what, I what think you need to do a reenactment yeah
0: <laughs> sure. yeah. So, yeah absolutely so speaking of reenactment let's get back to let's get back to the storyline so mr iliff had stolen the goat put it in the local newspaper which is a little bit of a uh concerned because we had this this public newspaper but this is before the internet so it wasn't that big of a deal um but back at school brian clark is getting the heat turned up on him he's company commander company e4 and he was involved in the operation and so the pressure was mounting on him right and so basically he got to a point i mean ted maybe you can pick this up here he got to a point where he was like is only so far i can go before i start actually telling a lie here right so how did you guys come to the collective decision that we need to rally around our classmate and and change the lift and shift in terms of the the uh, plan for getting it down the navy?
3: Yeah, so uh, Brian and I were roommates that semester. Um, yeah, and he was getting it hard, and and you remember all the those calculations you make as a cadet to not get in that situation where you get the direct, you know, uh, question or order. Um, and as I recall, we just sat down and had a war council and we didn't want Brian, uh, you know, to put himself in that position any longer and, and decided the best thing to do was to bring it, you know, truncate the mission, so to speak, and, and bring the goat into the, I think it was the spirit dinner thing. Um or uh, maybe the, the night Thursday lunch. Thursday the last time the core was lunch. that's was right. gonna be there. Last time the whole core would be together. But as I recall, it was it was not a hard decision. I mean it was a a group of friends reacting to you know a, a buddy being in a in a bad spot and what's the right thing to do. So and then Andy coordinated with the dad and and uh you know, we wait. I think, as I recall, we waited for the court to march in. I think take seats, right? And then, and then um uh, we we went in with it. I think we had like the rugby team or somebody blocking for us. That's exactly okay. we, we called the that ice hockey team. Right? Right? The
6: night, no, the night before, Ted called. You knew the rugby team captain because they sat right by the front door right. of Washington Hall, and yep. you said, "Hey, look, these are the goat nappers," and he's like, "Okay." And they said, we're going to bring the goat in at lunch. Don't tell anybody, but we need you to build a circle. Because this is, again, one of the things we were worried about was is doing things with the goat. We're going to bring it in. We want, to, we want to be protected. And we had thought through that because we had, you guys help me out here, but we had somebody on the OC with some kind of walkie-talkie to tell us when the OC was getting close and reacting because then we were going to have to break contact. And then we yeah. put somebody on your classmate, the, DC, the deputy brigade commander. We put somebody on my classmate, the, the brigade command sergeant. We we're worried they would chase us. And then we told all the company commanders in 4th Reg, stand up, lock arms. We're going to come running through. Do not let anybody get through. And then that was our egress. Jack Petraka was holding the bag right. with our, OC, our, our, our BDU tops um, as we came in. And then you know that was just amazing. But that 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 team, locked arms in a circle, around us as we walked in, and I just three levels of cadets, floor, chairs, tabletops, food flying every I was, oh yeah just, it, it
2: was, I remember because I was on the soccer team and we were sitting right there when you came in. We were right next to the rugby team. That's
0: right. Yeah, that's it, was, right. it was Vinny, Torza. It was Vinny Torza. Vinny, Vinny Torza, Torza was the
3: guy I talked to. That's right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and, and I think what John Braga remembered was he said he thought you guys put it, you lifted it up and you put it on a, one of those uh, carts that the uh, that, that a dining cart to wheel it in so it was up higher so people could see it when you guys instead of like, because you walked it in everybody goes crazy, it collapses has like a panic attack and pisses itself and then he said you guys lifted it, you grab one of those like beverage carts and put them up on the beverage carts so people could see and that's like I was off on the, I'm just like off on the the side, like I could barely see like, oh, they they got the goat. It was just absolute pandemonium in that place, right? And arguably, I would say the best possible outcome, even better than to bring it down to March on. Because if you guys showed up with it at March on, although like, first of all, there's not too many people in the stadium during March on. And secondly, you've got everybody standing there. Who would even see what's going on? I think that this was actually the best possible outcome. But again, Mr. Eilef, the hero of the story, the he hero. brought up in the middle of the day and drove what into this area with a goat in a in a van, right? Is that is that what happened there?
5: That's exactly what happened, yeah. And and, and it took me two months to get the stink out of the van. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, by the way, so. This, your, your dear mother, this was the van for your dear mother, right? So you were having That's to right. bring her around as a handicap accessible van for your dear mother who is having to deal with the goat stink for the next two more months, huh?
5: Yep, exactly. <laughs> and she she chuckled about that. She she loved this story. <laughs>
7: yeah,
5: I,
0: I, I can only imagine I mean like how rewarding it also must have been for you to be part of this whole thing at that time. I mean, when you go back that when you go back home and you're at the American Legion and you're hanging out with your buddies, are you just telling everybody this story about how you participated in stealing the goat?
5: Um, I don't bring it up too uh too often because the the sheriff lives next door to me. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: Well, actually, I'll, you know what he he does brag. He bragged about it uh, <laughs> at least for for a couple of years after that. And and when the story comes up, he he likes to recall his part.
0: Well, in it. it was an essential part. It was the, mm-hmm. the the mission does the mission fails without his yeah. without his contribution. Yeah, <laughs> it Damn. was a lot of
5: fun. It was a lark. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was a legend. I mean, you literally like I my my one thing when I when I would hang out with, with my buddies and everything, I would say, let's make a story. Let's make a story. It's always been like my motto. You guys made history. You didn't just make a story. You made history. We're talking about this 30 some odd years later. Right. And by the way, along those lines of history, thank God it worked out for you because Branlett, Branlett was not happy. And as John Braga will say in his podcast. It was no kangaroo court right so you guys all thought you're going down so after everybody got brought back to the barracks andy you got a direct question direct direct verbal question did you steal the goat you had to say yes sir i did everybody else locked in locked horns or, or locked arms and said we're gonna basically all go down together you all wrote yourselves up turn yourselves in soups bored. you're out in front of the soup so what was happening behind the scenes? Were you guys at some point thinking like, this is it? My cadet career is coming to a close over this stupid goat.
6: Oh, I, I don't have it with me. Um, I got it in my office. It's framed. In fact, Johnny Braga just texted and said, hey, can you send the slug to Jamie? So I'll get it to you tomorrow. But I got the 2-1. And and the stuff it said on it was like, oh, my God, who wrote this crap?
5: Yeah.
6: It was like lack the moral courage. <laughs> to uh prevent a prohibited activity moral courage are you kidding me That's right i just it was it was amazing and it it i think it i don't know ted andy it scared the hell out of me i remember thinking oof, yeah. this might be bad
4: I, I was i was yeah i was a little nervous before we had to go in front of that board um no doubt about it and i i, I kind of remember that the board lasted for a while i i, I kind of remember that we i were, think it's an hour and a half
6: yeah a while.
4: we were reprimanded for a while uh, as we went went through that and i think my my only thought the whole time is was uh this is it i'm waiting for the end result here it comes we're about to hear it this is it you know
0: so wait we, 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 we all together like what is this thing how does this thing go down like here and by the way holly holly has been Holly has been in this in this hallway, right? She she knows what it's like for these kids to be lined up in a soup's board and everything else. So, like, how does this go down? You all you all waiting there, like, sit. You got your shoes all shined up, like all in your uh, in your dress gray, ready to go in. Like, how did that go down? So you're waiting outside. Do you all get called in one at a time. You all get called in together. How's that? How's that happen?
6: It's Washington Hall, it's the comms office. I was yeah, comms. It's office. All,
0: yeah, and it
3: was uh, we were all together. And I remember they, we were, you know, you're in standing together, hushed voices, waiting to get called in, and then Doug, uh, who was the McCormick, yeah, no, 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 but the uh, it wasn't him that called us in. Uh, anyway, for so some reason, want to say Shannon, maybe like Shant, was he the XO? Anyway, we get called in, and yeah, we were locked up at least an hour and i remember thinking the whole time i was thinking surely he's going to crack a smile surely he's going to give us a wink but
0: this is bramlett bramlett okay there
3: was no he was pissed and i was just sitting there thinking all right maybe we'll graduate on time maybe uh I was like, you know Ike's, was standing locked, standing Ike's got forever to walk this shit off. I want to graduate this year, <laughs> you know.
6: Uh, you know who's standing with us though? Our tax, our tax were behind us at attention. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it was, it was, uh, it was something else.
0: So was, did the tax go to bat for you, or the tax were like? <laughs>
6: I I don't. You know, let me back up real quick, if I can. Ted and and Brian Clark and I. I don't know if you guys remember, there's a dude named Tom Carhart. He's a 66 grad. yeah. And he was writing yeah. books about Vietnam. He took the goat in 66. Yeah. And so he was doing a book signing at the bookstore in Thayer, like the year before. And so Ted, Brian, and I are like, let's go talk to him. And we pulled him aside. And we walked down the hall in Thayer and we're like, hey, we're gonna take the goat. And this guy, this old grad, looks at us and he says, Okay, number one, don't take the goat. <laughs> yeah. No, That's right. Number two, since I know you're not going to listen to me, and this is what he said. He goes, you need to understand this is going to affect people's lives and careers. Take that into account. And I don't know about Ted and Andy, but because I think your tack was his name, Gallagher. That's right. Yeah. But my tack, I, I, look, my tack, I liked her. She was a stud. Her name was Kathleen Browning, field artillery officer. And I remember when I walked went up to her office to tell her, like, hey, ma'am, um, I need to talk to you. And I was, you know, I, I did all sorts of E4 stuff. We just never got caught. And and she thought I was this good cadet coming up for some counseling. Maybe I had a relationship problem or something. And I dropped that on her. And to watch the air go out of her, I mean, I realized, oh, crap, we've affected. I mean, Carhartt's words just resonated. Yeah. And there we stood, five of us and, and three tacks behind us. Um, it was it was a long time,
2: so can I just go back just from uh talking about the two-1 that you talked about? One having been on the receiving end of a couple of big two dash ones when I was a cadet um but then having now watched these cadets and I said, and it still amazes me how West Point has a way of of making cadets feel like they are the worst human beings, On the planet. Like you were saying, Jim, you were like, you know, lacks the moral courage to do. And you're kind of like, okay, what? And years later, so 30 years later, when cadets would get in trouble and they'd come in my office, I'm like, okay, tell me what you did. And they're like, okay, you know, I I peed on a statue or I did whatever. And again, they think that they are the worst human beings to ever walk the planet. And so it is amazing how things haven't changed. You know, when when you put things into perspective and stealing the goat you sit there and you look back where we are today and you're going okay like yeah we weren't supposed to do it but it was kind of encouraged i mean you think back on all the stuff you're like but people kind of liked it we always heard the stories they just couldn't tell us that they would encourage us to do it right
1: right yeah to your point molly like i i don't know if you like Tom Carhartt's featured in this book and he got in a horrific car accident like after graduating. You know, like and, and but but uh um you know to your point, Molly, like we all dreamed about stealing it. Like, kudos to y'all, you did it and you survived. Absolutely amazing. But like, like the thing I've never gotten past is like, why the hell did Navy make it so easy to do? Right? Yeah. I'm <laughs> so so they they bear a little bit of the blame for this, in my opinion. Yeah. so so not that it was uh, not that it was easy to do but but it was possible to do they should have made it possible to do so they
0: didn't so jim um so john braga says that one of the big uh one of the big advocates behind the scenes somebody that really uh helped you guys out was actually general schwarzkopf because at this time we had desert shield and there was a bunch of a bunch of uh uh People in the field downrange, and Schwarzkopf had the picture of you guys with the goat on his table that he would show to his Navy admirals as they were planning Desert, desert uh, Storm. And so, supposedly, and you can speak to this, there may have been some word that got through the channels up to General Schwarzkopf that you guys were in trouble. Is there any truth to this that you know of?
6: Yeah. So, we. So it was part of our planning, right? We knew we were gonna get in trouble. Now we're like, how do you mitigate that risk? How do you influence that? Um, My dad was a 69 grad um, and he he got cancer when I was uh, 12 or 13, and he died when I was 15. Uh, But he was a battalion commander for Norman Schwarzkopf when he was a division commander. And my dad had worked for Schwarzkopf before when my dad was a captain. And so they were, they were kind of hunting buddies. They thought the same way. And my dad commanded a battalion beside a guy named B.B. Bell. And people that will serve know, General Bell later became the SACUR and he was USFK, but you know, another four-star. But Colonel B.B. Bell was General Schwarzkopf's XO during Desert Shield. And so, you know, that night we took, um, we took these photos and all sorts of photos. You know, we had an American flag out, we had it we 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 took our full dress down and then we we were taking it without the full dress on it was it was like a damn photo shoot but we needed proof right and we knew this was pretty significant and so we went back and again we didn't we had thought through this and so if i recall like we gave the roll of film to Pete Gaudet and we told Pete like take it to the one hour photo bring the photos back and we want like five copies and so Pete took it cuz we were afraid somebody would see the photos or something. And we wanted Pete to be able to say, I don't know, or, you know, I wouldn't involved." But so we wanted to send this photo to Schwarzkopf Ford. And so I called my mom. My mom is friends with Brenda Schwarzkopf. They were Army spouses that kind of had been assigned together. I went to elementary school and high school with Cindy Schwartzkopf, And so we're family friends. And my mom, I tell my mom, like, hey, how do I get something to General Schwarzkopf? And she says, oh, send it to B.B. Bell. So Pete Gaudet from E4 got these photos taken, and I put a couple of them in there, and we FedExed them. I don't know how long it took. It went pretty quick, though. We FedExed them, or whatever we used back then, um, to Colonel B.B. Bell. And I wrote him a letter, and I said, hey, sir, we just hope you'll share this with General Schwarzkopf. And our purpose is to um, inspire and increase the morale of the army soldiers in Desert Shield, right? We had even had discussions like if they start fighting before we take the goat, we may not take the goat, right?
5: Because we
6: don't want to, but they didn't start fighting until January. So we sent that out and I never got a response back. And on Friday, because on Thursday we take the goat in the mess hall, and Thursday's when they line everybody up in E4, or are like, you know, going at everybody. It's so a Thursday night, we, we know what's happening. We got these 2-1s and I called my mom and I said, I don't know if it's looking too good, mom. And I read the 2-1 to her and she's like, oh my, what do you want me to do? I said, oh, don't worry about it, mom. I just, you know, I, I knew what I was doing. We'll take our medicine. Uh, and Jamie, this, I, I, did, I never asked my mom this. Um, we didn't talk about it until, Ted, you wrote the book and that ESPN you know, interview was going on. And, and at that point, I called my mom and I just asked. And I said, did you call Brenda Schwarzkopf? And my mom's response was something like, you're damn right I did. <laughs> um, I think she was really worried when I read the 2-1. She's like, holy hell. <laughs> and so she called Brenda Schwarzkopf. And Brenda Schwartzkopf's response was something like, uh, my mom's name is Peg. She goes, "Oh, Peg, I talk to Norm every Thursday, um, and I'll let him know this is going on." Those boys, you know, that's silly. This is great. So I, I don't, I don't know what she said to General Schwarzkopf. I never talked to him about it um, until he came to a uh, to the dinner. So you all were firsties. I was a cow. Yeah. And about three weeks, Desert Storms of Victory parades everywhere. My tack walks up to me and she says, hey, did your father work for Schwarzkopf? And I said, yes, ma'am, a couple of times. And she said, oh, that explains it. Like, what's up, ma'am? And and she said, you're going to eat dinner on the poop deck with Schwarzkopf when he comes. And I said, okay. Um, And so this is where where it gets bad. And it it gets bad for this. (laughs) So I've never been up on the poop deck. I don't know if you guys are ever up there. It's like this red carpeted area. And this a big, long table and we're all sitting up there. And of course it's like all the rank, Doug McCormick and Sean green and all these, I don't know what you call them. The striper Dogs is what we called them. And I'm sitting with general Schwarzkopf on my right and Brenda Schwarzkopf on my left and straight across from me is general Brammer. and the dinner's going fine. I'm not going to say a damn thing about it. It's right. I mean, I'm, I'm still, I just want to fly under the radar. And in the middle of the dinner, General Schwarzkopf stops and looks at me and says, hey, thanks for sending that photo of you all in the GOAT. I posted it in the center of my war room. So all those damn admirals had to look at. Me. And everybody's <laughs> kind of giggling. I'm not. And I look straight across at General Bramlett. OK, and General Bramlett looks he does one of these things as if I'm General Bramlett. He's looking straight at me and he looks over to Schwarzkopf. And he looks straight at me and he looks over to Schwarzkopf and he looks straight at me and he could have borne. I, I just, I felt like laser beams going through my soul. And I think at that point he realized these damn cadets, they had thought through some things and it wasn't that we intentionally played him. He was the commandant. I mean, we're going to salute him. Right. But at that point, I think I realized, damn, it, our whole plan kind of to influence positively this may have played out that way. I never asked my mom, like, what, 20 years later, Ted, you write that awesome book. And and that's when I asked my mom, and she's like, You're damn right, I called Brandon Schwartzkopf. So, sorry, that took a long time.
0: So awesome. that is, I'm on the edge of my seat. That is just fascinating. That is That is radio gold right there, Jim. Yeah. Thank you so much for that perspective.
1: Okay, it's so a Jim, like amazing story. Like, can I apologize again? Cause I think I might have had a role in Bramlett being there. Or whatever, I apologize. But but like seriously, Bramlett said, like, do I want to retire as a one-star or do I want to be a four-star? And God bless he made the right decision,
6: right? <laughs> but you know, Tom Carhart, in well, actually it's Rick Atkinson writes the book, The Long Gray Line. Yep. yep. And you're you're just told it held it up. But in that book, if I'm not mistaken, like Rick Atkinson talks about how they, they kind of got yelled at for taking the goat, but on the way out the door, they're getting a little pat on the back is like, yeah. I'll serve with you anywhere. We I tell you what, we got to we didn't get up. that. No. We yeah. got jack and crap. It was like, get out of my office. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, and John John Braga also mentions in his podcast and when I in, in his story too, that when you guys got finished getting grilled by Bramlett, he said. If anything else comes out about this on any news channel or anything, you're gone. And you guys had already communicated to like CBS Sports, Army Times. There there was like press releases. You were, you were, everything was ready to go. You were like, things were in the can ready to roll out like a major PR, PR effort. And, uh, and, and you guys had to call all that back, huh? That's right. Um, very fast. Another thing that I didn't, I, you, you glossed over this, Jim, but this is an important thought as well. You were ready to s- stop the whole mission if we rolled into Iraq before the army Navy game, because the feeling was that it was going to be serious business. It wasn't a time for us to be like doing this kind of, uh, juvenile hooligans, I guess. Right.
6: That's it. Look, Ted was a philosophy major, but I remember that conversation. I mean, this is this underscores the maturity, at least that many people probably thought as immature tomfoolery. But we were having those discussions. Look, if they cross the burn, we we ain't taking the goat because it's one team at that point. And they they had they hadn't crossed the burn. We're like, okay, we go. But we didn't think of that in planning. And then you know, Iraq invades Kuwait. But we were having those discussions as twenty-two year olds. Wow. <laughs> uh, Jim, I yeah. hope. Do you
3: mind if I if we talk? You know, part of the, this pressure of don't disobey orders, you know, uh, don't get sideways with the institution. Are you okay? We talk about when the, that ESPN interview and Ted,
6: Ted, I command a first armored division. Let it right. fly, man. I got nothing right.
3: to lose. So, and, and Ike's a colonel, Fulberg colonel, full of promise. Uh, and his jackass friend, Ted Russ, calls and says, hey, ESPN's going to do an article. Uh, I need someone, you know, that that's still in, that has some credibility. Uh, do you mind talking to these ESPN guys? And So we do this interview with them. And Ike, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think it went something like, we did the interview. Um, and Ike's like, you know, maybe I'm going to mention it to my boss, who I think was a uh, uh, two-star. Hey, boss, here's my version of it. Hey, boss, no big deal, no big deal, but the you know, Army-Navy game, GOAT, yada, yada, did interview, ESPN, it's going to be great. And I guess, what? Slam the door, get over here, Eisenhower. You know, we got a lot of big ideas for you. we got a lot of potential. You do not want to be uh, quoted in an article about stealing Navy GOAT. This is... 2016, you know? And I calls me. Uh, and I don't know about you, Jim, but it it felt like we were cadets again. Like, yeah, dude, we got you know, we're in trouble. I got a 4C. What am I gonna do? So I had to call ESPN. Uh, and now the reporter starts giving me all this um, you know, I'm a reporter, ethics bullshit, and I'm gonna write the story, you don't have any you know, he's a tough guy now. So I finally said, look, if you can't change, if you can't de-identify this guy, do not run it, scuttle the whole thing. I started calling anyone I could think of at ESPN and they they did the right thing. They they called you something, Jim, I forget what it was, the Colonel or something. But I thought it was instructive to me, civilian guy that's been outside of it for a while, uh, that it still has some, some of that way. That's why Holly, I was so confused when Kaslin did his video. I was like, "What is going on?" I'm in bizarro world. So it was, uh, anyway, I I thought.
6: Uh, no, Ted, you're right. I mean, it underscores that paradox. It really is E4 at the time, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, we 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 value camaraderie, mission accomplishment. Um, but we're also going to take care of each other and do what we think is the right thing. And I, I had already done the interview. I got caught up in the yeah. your book was incredible. And I'm like, let me help contribute. And, and um, then I'm at post-facto, I'm like, Oh shit, I shouldn't do something like this without telling somebody. And my division commander is a two-star and I said, Hey, sir. by the way, and I think one one sixtieth guy, because uh, I think. Oh, I'm yeah. A, yeah. He's, look, he, he's incredible. Yeah, he uh, was one of stud. the best commanders I ever yeah. had and was very supportive. He's like, look, great caper, man. Incredible story. But I think you have potential. I don't want to put it at risk. And that's when I talked to the ESPN reporter and, and they, you know, to their credit, they pixelated my face on the photos we had given <laughs>
0: Yeah. So, you know what, like like it, a bag over you head with your voice changed or something.
6: No, it was it was, you know, all the quotes, they changed my name from Eisenhower to something else. And they pixelated. But here's the joke. I mean, Ted is on game day, college game day live being interviewed. And on the website, I was pixelated, but on the right. live show, they don't pixelate it. And my wife and I are sitting there watching it and it pops up the picture of I think it was me, Ted, and Brian. Um yeah. And and we both kind of looked at each other, and I'm like, "That well, was only about three seconds. Don't worry about it."
5: <laughs> yeah,
6: but it was. It's. It, I don't know how to explain it. It's the paradox yeah. of West Point. You you love it. Um, it it made you who you are, but in so many ways, you're like, "Damn it, why not it got to be that way?"
2: Yeah, yeah. And we 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 promote it, and we want it to happen. Everybody gets excited when it happens, but when it the people who actually do it we, we can't reward them for it. It's, it's a weird thing, but I, I mm. honestly, I, Navy does. And yeah. that's the, is Navy, they do reward the people who steal the mule. And, and I, and I know that, I mean, I've been here, like I said, I remember one year when, when they had the picture of, when the Navy soup sent up the picture of himself on the mule and he sent it to our soup, and, you know, our suit's all mad. And I'm like, well, why the hell aren't we doing that shit? You know, we should be doing the same thing. But instead, yeah. we said, damn everybody who steals the goat, don't you dare do this.
6: You guys yeah. were all lieutenants. And I was a firstie, And Omar Jones was our first captain. And uh Omar found me and said, hey, Jim, they just stole the mules. We had pissed them off so much. That that superintendent and this is again yeah. it's not firsthand, but that superintendent um, picked a, an NCO that was working at the Naval Academy the next year and said, "You go pick your team." <laughs> so there was an NCO and an officer in the Navy. They picked the cadets who were going to do it. It was absolutely sanctioned. Even rumored that they used they somehow funded it. They stayed in the freaking hotels before, and they came in and they. They cut phone lines, they stole the mules. But I remember Omar coming to me and saying they just stole the damn mules. And in many ways it's validation, like, yeah, we really got under their skin, but damn it, they stole our mules. And you're right, Holly. That I remember seeing pictures on CBS where you know people are parading the mules down around Annapolis and you just frustrating. They treated well, differently.
0: We, so I did get a chance to interview General Bramlett about that, and he talks about that. How the next year, how they brought in like they 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 went over the line and actually somebody got their arm broken in that whole incident yeah. to an MP or right.
2: something a lot of damage that year i yeah. remember they 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 broke doors they assaulted MPs cuz we had MPs at the gardenum it was a big deal we, well, and i were for then
0: you know a couple of years ago and uh, we taught we stole the air force falcon or right? some cadets stole the air force falcon and I, I, I talked to Andy Eilef about this and, and John Braga too. Like these cadets did not have the kind of contingency planning that you all had, right? So they had this, they had this falcon, they put it in a dog cage, and then the falcon started going nuts and flying around, and there's like there's feathers flying all over the the falcon like breaks its wing and whatever. So supposedly what happened was the Air Force said, okay, and this is maybe a better way to do it. They said, You've got a, you've got an open, open budget to beat them in sandhurst that that was the thing they, they put they put all their stud athletes training everything else and air force won sandhurst two years ago wow uh, following that that was their way that that's a good way i mean that's kind of a good way to beat us i guess not to yeah. you know steal the goat but they beat us in sandhurst
6: ted i don't know if you remember but i, I i'm pretty sure that when we kind of cornered tom carhart and walked him off in thayer hall he said another thing he said was and, and whatever you do not, you, you cannot hurt the animal. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
6: Yeah. that, no, would be a big that we, problem. Had, we had a, we had a veterinarian looking after him. Yeah. I mean, we've done that with Omar's fiance and made sure that like a vet was going to take care of it.
2: What happened to the goat? I mean, the rumor was always that the goat died because the goat, the goat did. And it was like right in front of where I was standing. Did have some traumatic reaction to cool. all of the yelling and the screaming and right. everything.
0: Let's just set the record straight. I think the goat may have been hung over or hammered because Mr. Iliff, who is again the yeah. hero of this story, apparently was using a little bit of uh, alcohol to uh, to get him to be cooperative. Is that is that right, Mr. Iliff?
5: No, that's not right. Um, <laughs> we treated that goat with tender loving care. Okay. We made sure it was at home with us in our backyard and off on the farm and on the way back up to, to the point. So he that goat was well taken care of. And a little bit of doors. And a little bit a little of bit, doers.
4: bit of doors. And a little bit of
0: doors. <laughs> well listen, on it, that note, Jamie, on that note, I want to thank you all for your time tonight and and recording this amazing story. As I said, this is more than a story. This is history. This is West Point history. And so we're so grateful for everybody here who's on the call. Uh, Jim, we're grateful for you and your continued service, Commanding General of 1st Armored Division, HUA, and uh, this is a great way to kick off the Army-Navy week. We got a week, let's let's beat them this week, so go Army, beat Navy, duty shall be done. For all that have joined us on the podcast, on uh, Facebook, there's been... One year 25 people rolling on and off the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Duties shall be done. I'm gonna stop the live feed now, but you guys can all stick around. So uh let me stop this live feed. Thank you so much, everybody.
2: Well done.
4: Thank you for that. It was good to see everybody. Yeah, it's good and times. Yes, absolutely. Thank um, you. Sorry. Hey, I
6: don't I don't I don't I wanted to do it at your 30th reunion. We gotta get everybody in a room and yeah. have somebody who's a you know ted maybe you write about it or a professional writer come in and because all the stories we got to get the other teams yeah. yeah it's it's such an incredible and, and it would make a book that just yeah. was beyond the, description yeah i
0: mean the the, 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 the history the history department chair and the west point historian are all over the story they're going to hear this thing they want to do this they definitely want to have this be Uh, And, you know, your staff walk idea, Ron, it is brilliant. it can that that be for next year? Yeah.
3: Yeah, How do we find the 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 ghost team, Ron? Right. Uh,
1: So, so uh, my, Brad and I are getting together for Army, Navy, like, but like a week, a week and some change from now, I'll have him bring his howitzer. I'll flip through. I'll see if I can recognize the guy. And like, and like, let's start with And like, if we can pin yeah. that guy down, we'll uh we'll walk that through. Yeah,
6: Ron, I'm going to give you a cl- i had a classmate named Matt Bohr, and I swear he's in third reg. Yeah. And he told me at one point, you know, we were down there, yeah. um, trying to take it. I, I we had no idea, right? We we're just focused on what we we're doing. Which- so. I'll, I'll let me see if I can find Matt and ask him. You know who the hell it was. He might have been the guys you ran into.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, let's let's run this down. I'm happy to. I, we can flip pages on his howitzer and I can. I think I can recognize him, and we'll start there. And if you've got someone, Jim, let's 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 do that. But I think this sounds awesome. Let's 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 uh, let's let's partner on this deal, right?
2: Well, the funny thing is, and Ted, you probably don't. I don't know if you remember it, but when Jamie was telling me that that we were doing this podcast, that's when I said. Oh my gosh! I think it was Ron Massey who wrote in because I after I read your book I sent that's your right, yeah, and I said, "Hey Surely. Ted, thanks so much for writing the book. It's great." And I put it on our class page, and then all of a sudden Ron wrote in as a comment and said, "Hey, let me tell you the rest of the story." And you were like, "Wait, what?" I mean, it was like, like, you said, I
1: think I wish I would have known that, but uh, but no, I mean, this like, and again, we're just a footnote on this, but, but it's cool that we can like talk about like what all happened. Well, I think it it speaks,
3: you know, highly of, uh, classes 91 and 92, that there were five, five known teams,
2: maybe more.
4: Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic.
2: (laughs) I know that's crazy.
4: Yeah. Well, I think it's amazing that they were actually watching us do this. I, that that's that sick. part. Yeah, yeah, I gotta but, hear that story. I really so, do.
1: Like, what time? What time did you all snatch the ghosts Because we we were going at nine. Nine was kind of our trigger.
6: I I don't remember. When you said that. I don't know. Ted, we we went we went pretty early. It had to be dark. Yeah. But we wanted to make sure that because we were going to drive back that night.
3: That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I don't remember what time though.
1: And we, we were taking the ghosts to Pennsylvania. We had a, we, that's, that was our location somewhere, somewhere West. But, mm-hmm.
3: uh,
1: yeah. 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 Well, yeah, so let's, 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 let's walk this ground and tell the story. Yes. Yeah.
0: That'd, be, that'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, I had a blast tonight, guys. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Holly, for being the co-host and also th- thoughtfully bringing in these other, other aspects of the story
3: i appreciate
1: the opportunity and like like seriously like kudos to y'all you did it amazing story and like god bless yeah right so
0: so you know that i i now crank this thing down into an actual podcast you can find it online the old grad podcast so i'm going to be dropping this episode and the braga episode this week uh probably tonight or tomorrow when i get it all cleaned up and ready to go awesome
6: right god's work you're doing thanks Thanks for all right. doing it, that, Jamie.
0: That's all Thanks. Right. Thanks so much.
7: All right, take, take care, care. Everybody. See you. Bye, right, bye. Bye,
4: guys. Thank you.